Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. We are in Colossians chapter 3 today. I heard a story of the Apostle John. Now, tradition says that of the 12 apostles, 11 of the 12, I'm not counting Judas, counting Matthias, 11 of the 12 died martyrs' deaths. And there are traditions that say how they died Peter dying on a cross upside down in Rome, things like that. Um, Tradition says that the Apostle John was the only one who did not die a martyr's death, that God allowed him, they tried to kill him, tried to boil him in oil supposedly, but that, uh, that, that God allowed him to live a very long life. Tradition says that in his old age, after the deaths of the other 11, that John was traveling through the churches in Asia and Greece, visiting them all. One story I heard was that he couldn't even walk anymore. They were carrying him from town to town in a litter uh, to, to visit the different churches. And this old man would just wave his hand over the people and say, brothers and sisters love one another. Brothers and sisters love one another. And... And at some point, according to the story that I read, uh, a a child came up to him at one point and said, why do you just keep saying the same thing? This is pretty basic stuff. And and John's response was, because if you only get one thing, you need to get that. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Whether or not that story is true or apocryphal or, or just made up, there's truth in the story. When I read the book of 1 John that John wrote, that's the message of First John. Love one another. A little bit even repetitive at times. But repetition is a good thing. We've heard this before. Love one another. We need to hear it again. I w- you guys all remember math homework in high school? You didn't, they didn't teach you a problem and then say, okay, we've just showed you on the board how to do sine, cosine, adjacent angles. Moving on. No, they sent you home with homework, 30 questions of it or more, because you're not going to learn it on the first question. It's the repetition of homework that gets those math problems into your head. You can't just learn it one time. Repetition is how we as humans learn. In Bible college, we had to learn at Lincoln Christian University, we had to memorize Matthew chapters 5 through 7 with punctuation, spelling, verse numbers, and write it out at class. And so it was fun, freshman year. And it was a weed-out <laughs> task. It really was in part for the college to see who's really in this. And so you would see freshmen walking around, um, quote, capital, blessed are the poor in spirit, comma, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, period. Quote, capital, blessed are the... <laughs> and, and you would see the kids wandering around the campus doing that because... Most of us can't read something once and then have it completely memorized. We learn from repetition. 
You say, Jason, I thought we were talking about unity. Yes, John's point in that story, we become united through love. Basic as it gets, but we can't skip it. And love is one of those, love reminds me of the word holy. We throw the word holy around all the time. And I've said before that a lot of times we don't understand what the word holy actually means. My fear is that we don't know what the word love means. Not, not really, because we throw it around as a culture. We talk about falling in love. You can't fall in love. You fall in puddles. You don't fall in love. Love is a decision. Love is a choice. It's not by, based on our feelings. It's what we do. If I feel wonderful towards my wife and treat her like garbage, that's not love. Love is not a feeling. And so when we talk about biblical love, and you've heard before, there's different words for love in the Bible. There is, there is that brotherly love that, that, that's almost like a patriotism in the Bible, a camaraderie. And then there's, the, there's, there's romantic love, um, eros. And, and, and then we talk about that agape love, and you've probably heard that word before. And it's this godly thing that the ancient Greek writers really didn't even talk about a whole lot because it was so hypothetical and above and beyond. And it's giving to the poor, knowing that they can't give back, and doing it when nobody's watching, not when the cameras are rolling so you can get a pat on the back later. It, it is this love that transcends emotions. It is this love that gets nothing back, that is completely selfless. And the ancient Greek writers rarely talked about it because you just it doesn't come naturally to human beings. But it's the word that the Bible uses the most to describe God's love for us and what we're supposed to have towards him and towards each other. And so we find ourselves in Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you will also, uh, then then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul says to set our hearts on things above. What what things are we to focus on? Heavenly things, not not the earthly things. The things of this life, this earth, are selfish. It's the things of heaven that matter. Things on earth we can't take with us. You guys know I'm a comic book collector. They're all gonna they're. I get them for a few more years and then I die and, and they're worthless to me. And then maybe they'll get passed on and maybe we'll have a house fire and they'll be gone and it doesn't matter. They're just stuff, right? Things don't matter. We can't take it with us. Our relationship with God is eternal. It's the thing that matters in our life. Things of heaven go with us. Our hearts are our, hearts are our actions. And so what is our desire? If our, if our heart fuels what we do, what does my heart want? Is it, is it to be loving? Too often we see the examples of people who call themselves Christians who have no hearts of love. If my heart is set on myself, I will not be loving. I will, I will do what I want. And that's selfish. That's the opposite of loving. Love comes out. It doesn't take in. We think of the example of Mother Teresa. Wonderful. What did she get out of it? She showed agape love, didn't she? She gave up her, her, her cultured, privileged life in, in the West to live in one of the worst cities 
of poverty and disease and crime on earth and did it for her whole long life. And what she got out of it doesn't matter because it was selfless. That's the whole point. It was selfless. It wasn't, wasn't for the cameras to be... In fact, I, I love that after her passing, they published her journal, her diary, and they found out just how human she was. She wasn't, you know, we call her a saint, and she was, she was a saint because of her humanity, not in spite of it. She had her doubts. She had her, her struggles. She had all the things that you and I struggle with. It's not like she was, like, cut from a different cloth than any of us. She was a normal human. God bless her for that. She did so much good in spite of that humanity because she listened to God and she followed him. Um, Her heart was on things above. Paul says, also set your sights, your, your minds. Not just your hearts on things above, but then he says set your minds on things above. Good actions are not enough. The right action for the wrong reason, doesn't cut it. Let me, let me give at least an example. Um, in high school, I liked math. I was good at math. I uh, had the chance to go to the Illinois Math Science Academy. Didn't. Um, remember, but I, therefore, I didn't like getting things. I was fortunate. I didn't get very many things wrong. I, I was pretty good at math. Uh, I remember there was a point that we were going through answers and I had a perfect score, and then the teacher was explaining for those that didn't get the right score, the right answers, how you get to the right answers. And there was one that he showed, and I said, oh, that's not how I did it. Now, I had the right answer. So he took, took my paper, and he looked at it, and he changed my grade. I didn't have 100 on that test anymore. I had a 95. I had the right answer, and he counted it wrong because I got there the wrong way. Well, you want to talk about angry. <laughs> I was furious what a powerful lesson these days i'm grateful that he that he did that i wasn't at the time at all um i did it completely wrong it was just random chance (laughs) that doing this thing the completely wrong way just happened to end up with the right answer it was completely random you can't do things the wrong way and then say this counts so examples of this is if if the if your common ground is our is our local ministry that different churches put on where we feed the the, the people that have some need in town, um, if you're serving in common ground and the reason you're serving in common ground is like to impress somebody of the opposite sex, I mean, God's going to use that ministry for their benefit, but not for your benefit. <laughs> you're not doing it for love or service. You're literally doing it for selfishness. If the reason you give to the offering plate is to get yourself into a lower tax bracket. Church is going to use the money, and we're grateful, we're grateful to God for the money, but you're not going to get the blessing from giving because you're not giving it to God. You're just trying to dodge the IRS. You can do the right things for the wrong reasons, and God will not bless you if you do. And it's not health and wealth. It's just the basic, basic Bible that when we give to God, God gives back, and if you're not really giving to God, if it's selfishly done... That's not going to be as blessed. It has to be in here. It has to be in our heads. It has to be in our hearts. It can't be an accident. It can't be done in a, in, a, in a non-loving way. Love is not just actions. It includes the motivation behind the actions as well. Where are our hearts and our minds? And Paul says that when Christ will be revealed... We will be revealed too. 
which I think means that when the end is here, I think, I think of, again, I like St. Augustine. I like his book, City of God. And Augustine has said, there are two cities. They're just two cities. You're either a citizen of the, of the city of God or you are a citizen of the city of the pagans. And right now they overlap. You walk around on the streets with people and you talk with people and you don't know which of those two cities they're a citizen of. But one day, it's going to be over. And the two cities will separate and we will see, we will see it will be revealed where our citizenship is. And I think that, I think that he's spot on. If good, good, good deeds can't save us, if they could, we wouldn't need the Christ. We wouldn't need the cross. If grace through Christ is what saves us, then it must be in our hearts and our minds, which fuel our actions, not just our actions, and not also not just hearts and minds. It needs to be both. So the guy who donates millions to charity to try to get into a lower tax bracket, that will not save him. But likewise, the person who goes to church for 75 years but hoards their money and never gives to the Lord because it's only in here and it never comes out in his hands and in his mouth and in his actions, that doesn't save either, does it? To be Christ-like is to start in the head, in the heart, and let our actions flow from that. Our hearts and our minds must be set on a relationship with Christ to show his love. And so we keep reading in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Easily summed up. Get rid of things that are not of Christ, that are not of love. A whole litany of things here that are not loving, these are born from selfishness. The opposite of love is selfishness. The opposite of giving to others is taking for yourself. All sin comes from putting yourself first. We've, it's been said that pride is the original sin. Yeah. You know, we, we can talk about the seven deadly sins, but of the seven, six of them are based upon the core sin of pride. I deserve X. I, and, and I don't... We're all about what we deserve. Well, we deserve a lot less than we think. We must recognize that sin in our life is a result. Sin in our life is a result of being unloving. Might not seem that way at first, but it is true. We can we can prove this. Every one of these sins comes from putting your own desires over someone else's. So we've got the seven deadly sins. Sloth, I deserve to not do anything. Other people should take care of me. Greed. I deserve lots of stuff. Envy, I deserve your stuff. Um, we could go through all of these sins and say that it's all I deserve. I, selfishness. And it all comes from pride. 
Because that's what pride is, is selfishness. The answer to this is, of course, as Paul says, to put on love and to love everyone. Now, down down to the brass tacks, as they say, rural U.S., West Virginia, as much as anybody else can be bad about this. We all have our struggles. Maybe it doesn't hurt to say a few of them. Having preached at a rural church in southern Illinois, now here in, in, in West Virginia, sometimes rural areas can, can have some, some blind spots, or maybe they're not blind and we think, well, it's just the way it's always been and maybe it shouldn't be. Um, racism still rears its ugly head. Uh, I don't like seeing it. I don't like hearing about it. I wish it wasn't always on the news. Sometimes I think it gets sensationalized quite a bit, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And God made all of us. We're all descended from Adam and Eve, and we're all descended from Noah. So if God made all of us and we're made in his image, there is no excuse not to, not to love everyone equally. Men, male and female, were created in his image. Not just racism, but, but sexism can exist in our lives. In elitism, um, I know that, and see, I'm going to use the language for a minute, I know that city slickers can look down on, on, on rednecks and hillbillies and country folk, but we can look down on them too, right? We can, we, can, we can mock them, but God loves them just as much as he loves us. We are all made in his image. He loves everybody. He doesn't approve of everything that we do. And that's important to realize too. But he loves us all equally, and we're therefore called to love everybody. And, and sometimes it's easy to fall into, we'll use racism as an easy example, you know, well, my, my, my grandparents were this way and my parents were this way, and it's just the way it's done around here. Sometimes traditions need to be broken. I like some nostalgia, okay? A couple of my favorite TV shows are Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica, both late 70s, early 80s, not the new Battlestar Galactica. I like those shows. I got them on DVD. I think it's fun to watch those old sci-fi shows. I like old science fiction much better than new science fiction. Okay? I enjoy that nostalgia. You know what I don't miss? Cassette tapes and rotary phones. I don't miss cassette. You remember the pencils you'd stuck in to rewind those tapes and they'd break and rotary phones? You get six numbers in and you hit the wrong number and you think, oh my gosh, there's five minutes of my life I'll never get back. Time to start over. Sometimes nostalgia is fun. Sometimes we've improved. There have been times in our nation's history that we were not at our best as Christians. Okay, We know that. And we may not want to dwell on it, and I don't want to turn a sermon into a sermon about how bad slavery was, but it was terrible. Owning people that were made in the image of God was terrible. And, and, and so we want to make sure that we love everybody the way that God loves everybody. And we can't use the excuse, well... They're different. That's the way God loves everybody. God, in fact, the whole, the whole story of the New Testament is Paul going to different people, isn't it? I mean, that's so much of the story is, is Paul going out to all these different people that were not Jewish and saying, God loves you so much and he's going to love you through me and I love you so much. We are called to love everyone. And, and, and that may be a stretch. That may hurt us. I, I appreciated a friend of, of Pam's dad once told me that he had fought overseas in in Vietnam and he said man the government taught me to hate those people he said and it is such a struggle going to church being told to love everybody when when these were the enemy and they were all terrible and they were bad guys and we were to kill them and 
He said, I, am, I appreciated his, He said, I am struggling. He said, with, with loving everybody, knowing that the Bible says that, and I don't. And I love that honesty. And I think that that's the way we start. I think it's okay to say to God, I know you want me to love this person, but I don't. <laughs> I think that that's okay because until we, because God already knows, until we admit it, we can't overcome it. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the alternative then is to to putting off sin, is to be restored to what God always wanted us to be, meant us to be. We were made to be better than this. God created us for communion with him. God forgives us so that we may have communion with him. We were made in his image, and it hurts God to see us broken, fallen, cracked. When we pursue a Christ-like character, we are pursuing our original unbroken image. And the closer we become to the image of Christ, the more it should hurt us to see other people broken. But not hurt like we hate them. Our heart breaks because we know that God loves them. And, and I think it was Dwight Moody that said there, but you know, seeing someone homeless, drug addict, alcoholic on the street there, but by the grace of God go I, we realize if we're doing better, it's not from anything we did. It's that God put us in a place where we were able to see his love. And and we and we're all in this together, right? God God loves everybody. It's not an us versus them. The them is Satan. That's the only enemy. Non-Christians are not our enemy. God God sent Christ to die for them too. Our only enemy is the devil. We're trying to rescue people. Therefore clothe yourselves with the things of love, says Paul. And he tells us what we should put on. And these then are the opposite of what we read before. These, this is loving. This is what selfless love looks like. Qualities that make us like Jesus. And if you want to be a Christian, you have to have these. These aren't optional. There are optional gifts that some people have and some people don't. Some people are good at music. Some people may be good at speaking. Some people may be good at teaching. Um, so, some people have an artistic touch and some of us don't uh there are there are gifts that i I see people draw pictures and i think and i get so jealous because i like comic books i wish i could draw i would make my own if i had any kind of artistic talent but there's not a big there's not there's not a big outlet for people who draw stick figures and try to get those published um i i wish i could draw but i can't it's not my gift and that's okay um we all have different gifts, what we, but, but humility and selfless love, forgiveness, uh, compassion, these aren't gifts. This is just what it means to be a Christian. Uh, love binds it all together. It's the common denominator. Remember, that, remember says Paul, the, the love God has shown in forgiving you, go and do the same. 
Let's finish up with verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. At the end of the day, what we are after is reconciliation, a return to God. Originally, in the Garden of Eden, the first couple chapters of the Bible, God and man dwelt in harmony and in love with each other, and it was perfect. There was no sin, there was no death, there was no pain. Man betrayed that, and the world's been messed up ever since. Sin was chosen instead of God. And sin is always chosen now. It's, it, it is what we choose. Again and again, we choose ourselves. I, I mean, what Adam and Eve did was selfish. It was the opposite of, of, of loving God. The ability to put others first, to put self last, doesn't come natural. It is inhuman. We can't do it alone. If we could, we wouldn't need Jesus' death. Only by the power of God can we do something so inhuman to put to death ourselves. Humans are no longer by nature good and loving. But God's Spirit can fix us. Love reconciles us with God and with each other. And only God's love can do that. Society cannot save you. And at the end of the day, society doesn't want to. Society doesn't care. Um, Society doesn't love you. People vote selfish and stupid. I'm not criticizing anybody with the way how to vote. Just remember that, I mean, the classic example is that they voted Adolf Hitler into office. He wasn't a tyrant. They voted for him. Humans vote selfishly. Um, Government, there may be some nice people in government, but government doesn't have your best interest at heart. This is, not a, this is not a sermon about don't trust the government or anything. I'm just saying, government is just an institution. It's not, it's not, it, it doesn't have compassion. Some of the people that serve in government are compassionate, and I love them for that. But government as a whole is just this kind of self-perpetuating juggernaut that just wants to keep going. God loves you, loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't mean he approves of what you've done. But God can separate the person from the act. And he loves the person. And God loves you and wants you to be restored to him. He motivates us to love one another with the same unconditional love. We are called to love one another, to put the interests of others before ourselves. A church that loves each other will be effective at ministering to each other and will be effective at ministering outside of the walls of the church. A church that is selfish will not minister to others, will be perfectly happy with the numbers being kind of small and kind of tight, might put on great potlucks and church events, but won't grow because all the, all the focus will be inward and, and giving people what, what we want, what I want. God loves you. At the end of the day, that's the source of unity that we're looking for. To be reconciled, to be back where we belong with God. And then happily serving each other. 
And so our, our hymn of decision today is hymn number 343. God, God loves you just, just as you are. He doesn't want you to stay in sin. Uh, want, wants you to be restored to who you should be. But he loves you right now. And, and you don't have to like give up sin and then come to Christ because if you could give up sin, you wouldn't need to come to Christ. And so we tell you, if you're not a Christian, we want you to come to Christ now and don't, and don't put it off. Um, how, how loving are we as a people? I'm not talking about how good we are at hanging around with each other and having fun with people that are like us, that have the same interests. How good are we at telling other people that God loves about how much God loves them to a lost world? That, that is what love is about. Uh, a growing church is a church that, connect, that, that gets the love of God, shows the love of God, communicates it in a way that people can see and hear and feel. Uh, if, if you haven't accepted the love of God and become a Christian, I'd like to talk with you after church about what that looks like. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.